Welcome to the Wholesome Frenzy Podcast. My name's Jake, and I'm here with Sirius and Sam, and we're joined by a very special guest, Jaquez Robinson, transfer from Alabama, just transferred to the University of Colorado. He's a redshirt junior cornerback. He's a six-foot-two corner with three years to play uh, for three seasons. But Jaquez is was ranked the 16th best quarterback according cornerback according to rivals. Uh, he was a four-star recruit, had offers pretty much anywhere he wanted to go, just to list a few schools, Alabama, Florida, LSU, Georgia, Oklahoma, Oregon, South Carolina, and many, many others. Uh, but he joins us. Uh, he's from Jacksonville, Florida, originally. Played at Alabama primarily on special teams and saw action in six games back in 2022. But with that, Jacques, thanks for joining us. We're super excited to have you on the podcast. I'm excited to be here for sure. All right. So Jacques, we got to hear your story, man. So how did you get into football? We heard you're from Florida. So uh, tell us all about, about how you got into this. Yeah. So football was a big thing, you know, coming up, everybody in part one, they were in elementary school saying how they plan on their football team, like their neighborhood football team and stuff like that. And then my uncle played in the league, Lavernius Coast. He played in the league, played in the NFL for, uh, he played for the New York Jets. He played with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Washington Redskins. And I just kind of watched him play, and I watched, like, the stuff that he was getting, the, how he was able to provide for his family, and I kind of always wanted to do that. I've always been a family guy. So that kind of was a big part, like, why I started playing the game. And I was feeling in love with it from then, uh, from, from then on. So growing your up, uncle – or sorry, Sam, just to jump in here. Your uncle wasn't just any NFL player. He was a Pro Bowl wide receiver. So I just wanted, yeah. to, wanted to shout that out. Sorry, go for it, Sam. Yeah. Yeah, so growing up, growing up, growing up in Florida, where as we all know is the best place to play high school football, the the best competition. Yeah. Who was the best player you had to play against growing up? Is there someone that sticks out? You're like, dang, I played against that guy. The best player, uh, I ain't gonna lie. Probably the best player I ever like went against was probably on my own team my ninth year. DeCorey Matthews then went to Florida State, ended up transferring to Indiana. Uh, him and then Sean Wade. Uh, me being on scout team my ninth grade year, going against those guys really changed the game for me. Like, I watched them make plays on Saturdays. You know, Sean, he's in the league now. The uh, DJ's going to the league this year. Um, It's kind of was, like, set the standard for me to, like, the standard of excellence to play at a high level. You know what I'm saying? So just seeing those guys like that make plays every every Friday night was something I tried to emulate. So we watched that Reaching the Skies video on YouTube great video. We're going to post it on our Twitter, uh, but it just highlighted you uh, a little, it showed a little bit of your family, your siblings. Um, but your, your dad mentioned a quote in the video. He went through a lot of adversity growing up from injuries to losing people he loved most. How has that adversity fueled you on the, on the field, on and off the field? Uh, that's actually a big thing. So when I, when I kind of was trying to fight for my, you know, place at Alabama and stuff like that, it kind of was a thing where no matter how tired I was, no matter how bad I was hurt, and I had to push through because, like, I'm doing this for a reason. So what Coach Saban and what a lot of the speakers that came to talk to us was about, they came to tell us how, like, always find that burn. You know what I'm saying? So you want to find that burn and find that reason why you're doing what you're doing because nobody just goes out and play football like, oh, this is football. Because, like, at some point it's going to need external, like, forces pushing you. So that's kind of what I always lean back on to keep going, you know what I'm saying? Even when things got tough, things got rough, things wasn't necessarily going my way, that's always what I kept in my mind of why I was doing this and why I should keep pushing. 
So as far as where you came from to CU, you played at Bama, played with Coach Saban. What was that like? Uh, definitely intense. Playing with Coach Saban was probably is probably like uh, probably one of the hardest things to do, especially because his standard of excellence. You know, he always wants everything to be uh, like right on point. Everything got to be perfect. So even though he's gonna try to get it as close to perfect as it possibly can be, you feel what I'm saying? So just playing for him and holding myself to that high standard as well, I learned a lot and I grew a lot as a player. Just to follow that up, I know you haven't really been coached under Coach Prime yet. But what similarities can you see between Coach Saban and Coach Prime? Well, like I said, like standard of excellence. So like Coach Prime was somebody who's gonna compete, and Coach Saban is big on competing. Like that's all he says: compete, compete, compete. Coach Prime is that same type of guy. But those guys are the best at what they do for a reason. You know, uh, he told me com- competition breeds success. So whenever you're competing and always guys got always have guys leveling up, that's how you bring excellence to a team that's how you bring success all right speak speaking of alabama you were on the team that won uh, the national championship in 2020 uh, i can't even begin to imagine what was that was like being on a team that won the national championship what was kind of like the attitude that entire season and then after like celebrating was it something you're like you knew like this is a team that's gonna win a championship or was it just like that wasn't even what you guys were thinking about like what was going through your head so going into that season even though I didn't, I didn't play it all that year. I don't think I had like several first rounds in front of me. Like it was crazy. So, uh, me just sitting back watching those guys and how they interacted with each other, and like the the standard of excellence those guys played to, and how they held themselves accountable for everything they, that 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 they did. Being the great, how great of players those guys were, kind of showed me the ropes of how to be. No matter how good you are, you always got something to work on. Always got something to improve on and stuff like that. So you know, like with Devontae and and Pat always down to learn, always down to help somebody else out and stuff like that. So that kind of taught me the the level of brotherhood and how teamwork really everybody come together and you win a championship. Yeah. Yeah, you had Pat Sertan there, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now you're coming in, you got these young corners, you got Cormani McLean, you got um, Travis Hunter, you got all these guys, and you can kind of be that, you can tr- try to be that that mentor for them. Pat Sertan tweeted out that he he really wanted to come to a game after the spring game. Do you think he'll roll through a practice? Oh, for sure. Especially um, me and Pat. Pat was kind of the guy like I looked up to when I was at Bama. You know what I'm saying? So I just taught him about a lot of stuff. He had to practice, work on extra technique with him and stuff like that. And um, his dad also talked to my dad at some of the games and stuff like that. So I feel like he'll definitely come out to a game and I'll be able to train with him and work out with him and stuff like that as well. I'm I'm curious, did you hit him up at all before committing to see you, just him being from Colorado? Yeah, no, I didn't. We kind of have that connection, you know what I'm saying? So, but I didn't, personally, I didn't hit him up yet, but Coach uh, Coach Kelly is working on some of that uh, over the summer. Cool. That's actually a good transition. Um, what was your relation, relationship like with Coach Kelly? Being being the DC at C, at CU now, he used to be at Alabama. What was your relationship like with him? So honestly, that's probably was the deciding factor on the school I was going to. So with Coach Kelly being a safety coach and also coaching the stars, um, and being for me with the uh, with the defense and the, like the, the concepts and stuff like that, um, he showed me how to play star, what to look for, stuff like that. So I was with him a lot because he also worked with the safeties. 
and they were thinking about moving me to safety from corner to safety. And I was working with him a lot. And Coach Kelly was actually the first one to offer me a scholarship at Bama. And so was Coach Sal was my recruiter. So every time I go to Bama, I'm talking to Coach Kelly and Coach Sal. So uh, I have a long relationship with those two guys. And Coach Kelly is probably the main reason why I committed to see you, being familiar with the scheme, being familiar with the coaches and stuff like that. And him telling me I'm playing this position, playing this position and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, that sounds good. I already know the whole defense. So it's just plug and play. Everything that he needs and wants me to do, I already know how to do. So, so we're going to see you at safety too? You're going to see me everywhere. Just – He's just waiting. He's gonna see me. You see an offensive line? Yeah. Oh, wide receiver. Wide receiver. Not about that. for sure. Okay, so not wide receiver. Nah, maybe not no wide. I could <laughs> play it though, but nah, nah. Hey, we got we got nothing but two way guys over here, right? So I don't nah. know if you heard Coach Prime talk about bringing Cormani in and having him play wide receiver too. So yeah, yeah. So speaking of speaking of Cormani and, and incoming recruits and and having the opportunity to come see the campus, how, how was your visit to CU? How, how did you enjoy it? So we know that you you came here because of your relationship with Coach Kelly and Coach Sinceri, but we also know from experience how beautiful this campus is and how how much it has to offer. So, uh, what was that visit like for you? The visit, honestly, like it probably was the smoothest visit. I'm not sure if it was because of me being familiar with Coach Kelly. And me not really having to learn him or learn Coach Sal, like, but it's one of the smoothest visits I've ever had, even as a recruit. So, um, like, just coming in, like, seeing the uh, seeing the campus, seeing snow for the first time for real, stuff like that was kind of like different for me. And my mom's a vegan, right? It's a lot of places like that down there to eat. So my mom was in love with it and stuff like that. So I think it was pretty cool for me, especially like having Denver right there and stuff like that. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Like, I definitely enjoyed my visit. But it actually wasn't that cold when it was on. I love it. I love it. That's the common theme. So I have a lot of friends from Florida, too, just from my line of work. And a lot of them actually love to come ski, and they come out to Colorado all the time for that. Yeah. And that's the constant theme. It's it's actually not that cold here. I, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it wasn't yeah. that cold. I was like, yeah, it's because it's dry, right? Back yeah. in back in back back out east, it's, it's humid all the time. Jake knows all about that up in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do, unfortunately. <laughs> so what was it like talking to Coach Prime for the first time? Or or how long was your existing relationship with him before that? So I, I really didn't have a, a relationship with Coach Prime before me coming on a visit. Um, I got a chance to talk to him, uh, like, the little, obviously, the little player meeting that he has with all the recruits and stuff like that. Got to talk to him for a little a little minute. And um, I had, went to a, a unarmed camp, say, my junior year. That's the only other encounter I had with them and stuff like that. But pretty cool dude. I I actually used to watch some of the videos that he was posting while I was at Bama, just watching some of the videos, me not knowing that I would end up entering the portal. I used to watch some of the, I'm like, that's some good stuff he's putting in the, in those uh in those speeches that he's giving to the team. I'm like, nah, that was great. I needed that day. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going out of practice based on what he told me in the Instagram post. So I was like, yeah. So then it kind of was an easy transition to be like, okay to uh, come from Bama to Colorado because it kind of has the same level of excellence as far as the head coaching and what he expects out of the players and what he expects out of the coaches and trying to build that culture. Love it. That's awesome. You know, to be honest with you, I was watching those Jackson State videos too. 
and I was using a motivation for me and I don't, I'm not even an athlete, right? I'm, I'm, a, yeah. <laughs> I'm an engineer and I was waking up like ready to run through walls, like to do engineering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so to follow that up, coach prime said he's looking for dogs and I think he's especially looking for dogs from Florida. So we talked about the adversity you went through, but what makes you truly a dog on the field? And before you answer that, I just want to add, well, watching your high school film, we saw you track down a running back on the other side of the field. It was like a 40-yard run. You stop him for a touchdown. I think that's the dog mentality that Coach Prime's looking for. But how would you describe your play style, and how are you a dog on the field? Like, just me growing up in Florida, I think that's why he want Florida guys, because you have to compete every day. Every day. So somebody going to call you, oh, he's overrated. He's not that good. I'm better than him. So you always kind of have to prove yourself in Florida. Like, no matter what. Like, everybody, it's almost like when I was at Alabama, like, anytime I would get in the game, like, the guys run the routes all different. I'm like, why he run the – he hasn't run the route this way the whole the whole year. You feel what I'm saying? He hasn't run the route this hard the whole year. You feel what I'm saying? But it's because of that Alabama standard. So almost like when you're committed in high school and stuff like that, always got somebody's best game. Like every, I'm like he's running this route. He usually breaks it down at seven. He breaks it down at ten, or he usually throws at this distance. Nice throwing way down the field. You feel what I'm saying? So like they're creating routes and stuff like that. So I always had to be on my toes and be competitive in everything I did. Like my dad, that's all he does. I'm always compete with my sister. Always competing with my little brothers. Like they compete every day. So that's that's what I was bred into, and that's kind of what it is in Florida. Like everything's always competition, especially in football. So. That's what I have to come to the field with that saying, nobody's better than me. Whoever lines up in front of me, they're going to get this word every, every down. Yeah, that's how that's how I feel about coming on this podcast every every week with my fellow co-hosts, you know. It's making yeah. sure that I'm, I feel like I'm the best podcast host out of the three. <laughs> wow, okay. All right, all right. <laughs> got that dog in me. I'm not hard yeah, to find. Coach Prime, Coach Prime follows the podcast. I'm not hard, I'm not hard to find. <laughs> right so, so building I, – building, I, Building off of that, building off of that, um, so um, talking about that like, standard of excellence, that people would come up with stuff to try to beat you guys at Alabama. Alabama's been like probably the most dominant Pac five, uh, Power 5 program in the last 15 years. Mm. Colorado is probably at the opposite end of the spectrum the last mm. 15 years, been one of the bottom dwellers of the program. Does the opportunity to build a program from like the ground floor and come here when we're building this, kind of like excite you and like be the, the ability to like leave a legacy behind and say I built Colorado football up to become a power a powerful team. No fact. So I talked to my dad about that. I said another big thing is like I get to leave my legacy. So I, I could be one of the guys who change the dynamic of the program back to his glory. You feel what I'm saying? So with me being able to be a leader on the defense, knowing the plays, knowing where guys are supposed to be and know and me seeing the standard that Coach Saban had set for us the Natty year last year and the year before last, that kind of is going to help me be able to have my teammates hold my teammates accountable. Because I see what the work that we put in and the amount of recognition that we were receiving. You feel what I'm saying? So I feel like that would help a lot building a culture at Colorado. It's great. We're so excited for that. So – in, in going along with the fact that Colorado has been one of the worst, probably second to Kansas, the worst pack, power five. Oh, I did the same thing as Sam. Pack five, pack, power, power five. five program, power five program since, you know, the, the late 2000s. We are hungry at Colorado for a winner. 
Last year, we won one game, right? We went 1-11, and that one win came the, the game after they fired our head coach, and they brought in an interim coach, played against Cal at home, and there was 50,000 – so it was an almost completely packed game. The student section was full. They stayed the whole game, and after our one win, they stormed the field like we just won a championship. That is how hungry this fan base is for a winner. So – how excited are you to be part of a fan base that is going to be so energized and excited with any little bit of success you could possibly provide? Um, that's exciting, but I kind of how can I say this? I have I have a higher standard than winning just one game. I love you know it. What I'm you know what I'm saying? Like I kind of yeah. want, want them to be. I don't want them guys to be excited. Oh, you won one game. We went five and. Five and seven, nah, that ain't the standard. You know what I'm saying? So we're trying to build something great and leave a legacy. I'm trying to win all 11. I'm trying to win all 12 games. Like, that's how I'm looking at it. Like, bro, I'm going to come into every game thinking that we're going to win this game. It's no doubt. Oh, I love it. Win this. It's been so you know long since – it's been so long since anyone has said that. <laughs> we're so ready for this. We're so ready. Yeah. But, yeah. That means Ray is like 10 years younger. <laughs> <laughs> Like a child again, Strayus. <laughs> Sorry, Jacquez. We call it Strayus Gramps because he's like two years older than me. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a little more, but not not much more. Um, but Jacquez, I love hearing you just get so excited about like the competition, and I can totally tell you're a competitor. And I'm so excited to see you line up against Travis Hunter in those well-off media videos of practice. They are going to be the best. But follow up with another question. Uh, Demoy Kennedy is another former Crimson Tide teammate of yours. What was your relationship with him? Um, just for the listeners, Demoy is also a transfer from Alabama coming to see you. So actually, it's crazy. Demoy, my best friend. So we kind of like, he used to come home with me all the time. Like anytime uh, we'll get a break. And also, like, he's my roommate, one of my best friends. And like all that type of stuff. So like we have a great relationship. Like that's like my brother. All right. So we know we talked about Coach Prime a lot, and we know that he played he played two different sports. He played professional baseball and he played professional football. Mm-hmm. If you could play another sport, either collegiately or professionally, which one would it be and why? Right. Which one do you basketball? Basketball? Yeah, I was really a hooper for real. But I have worked too hard at football, so I didn't want to play basketball. We got to see you on the court against Travis Hunter. He, he posted a I'm bunch gonna, of. I, I ain't gonna lie, I'm just gonna shoot the ball. That's it. <laughs> I'm gonna shoot it. That's all I'm gonna do. <laughs> That's it. No drives. No drives. No, I mean, no mid range. I mean, you start closing out my shot a little too much. I'm quick enough to blow past you, but you gonna shoot the ball until you stop <laughs> it. That's it. Yeah, Contavious Caldwell Pope build yeah, in the corner. Put in the corner 50, 55% from three. That's it. But every good team needs three and D. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what your football coaches want to hear too, because they don't want to see you out there at the rec center just trying to drive on people and like getting hurt yeah. at the rim. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to shoot it. Gar- yeah, come come oh, guard it. Dude, I guess <laughs> don't want to watch those Travis Hunter videos, him just dunking on kids. Like, Do not don't roll an ankle. Don't roll an ankle. <laughs> so, I was just going to say the C rec center, I think, has six basketball courts. So – you you yeah. you you got a lot of a lot of space to play. Yeah, you don't you don't you, you don't want to be rec center John Morant. 
You don't you don't you don't <laughs> want to be you don't want to be driving the hoop like that. <laughs> what are you looking forward to the most about living in Boulder? Um, just a different experience. You know, I'm from being from Florida, like it's it's a lot different up there. Like everything is different. Like even from the food spots, like ready to try new food, uh, ready to like kind of see how it is during the winter and stuff like that. Just get a whole different uh experience, you know. So speaking of food, what would be one like Florida rest restaurant or food that you eat there that you would want to bring to Boulder? Oh, uh, well, I already ate it. The, my on my visit, I ate noodles and company. I love that. Oh yes. <laughs> Every yes, time that's... I come home, I get noodles and company. What's the what's the noodles and company order? Um, grilled chicken, Alfredo, Montemore. We love it. We love to, we love noodles and company. Noodles and company sponsor us. You heard it right here. <laughs> yeah, noodles man, and company. N A L deal for Jacques too. I need it. I need it. I just I just need one free noodle company bowl of uh. A week. That's it. They can do that. We can. Well, Jacques, you're they, worth way more than that. Well, hold on. <laughs> that's yeah, what he wants. It's what he wants. <laughs> hey, that's, hey, that's all I need. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> no, Jacques. No. <laughs> Jake, let him we'll have get a you more. Bowl in peace. If he hey, wants case, one noodle, he can in, have it. In case he didn't realize it, this was this was a match made in heaven, man. Because noodles and companies from Denver. That is fr- that is, it is from here, like originally. So you, <laughs> this is faded. Fate had you come to Colorado. Let's go. Yeah, I, I think that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Yeah, I think we'll we've got two in Boulder. after this, and yeah, we'll post the video as well. <laughs> yeah, I need it. <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, so, Jacques, are there any players currently in the portal or any high school players that you might be friends with that you'd love to see come to see you? I haven't really been watching the portal. So I don't even know who's in the portal right now. But I, I did watch a little bit of Florida State, and I saw uh, Amari and Cooper. He pretty good. So I was yeah. I was liking that pickup. And I'm liking the D-line that they're bringing in. A lot of SEC guys, and I know how big those guys are and how they close those passing lanes, and that's going to be great. Right. And the D-line, that helps you, right? When there's pressure on the quarterback, leads to yeah, interceptions. Right. So love that. All right. This might be – um, the most important question you've ever you've ever answered in your entire life. No mm-hmm. pressure. Would you rather fight 100 chicken-sized T-Rexes or one T-Rex-sized chicken? A hundred. A hundred of them. Uh-huh. Uh, they're really angry. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to fight no huge chicken, though. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Chickens teeth, are fast. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, and they got a beat. I do have noted that the large chicken is very angry and hungry. So I think I, I think I'd go with you as well. I, I would yeah, not. Yeah. I would not want to kick around the T Rexes. Yeah, like that is yeah, true. You could kick around the T Rexes. This dude's from Florida. There's T Rexes in the swamp over there. Come on, that is true. I, that, that is what I heard. <laughs> also, who's your? Are are you a Jags fan? Being from Jacksonville. Oh, for sure. How do you feel be. about their their draft or their their season coming up? You've been paying attention to that. Um, I didn't pay attention to their draft. I can't lie. I was so worried about my guys from Bama being drafted. I ain't even pay attention to the Jags draft. <laughs> I didn't see nobody they drafted. Yeah, we know we know that uh, coming into the fall here, even though NFL is always king, usually king in the Denver area, all eyes are going to be on the Buffs. This is this is yeah. one of the biggest storylines. This is one of the biggest storylines in the history of sports. It's amazing that you get to be a part of it, right? With yeah, totally sure. new way of winning in a place that struggled for many many years. 
So yes, just have you ever have you like sat back and thought about how crazy this is all going to be, like with all the media hype and all that stuff? I didn't know it was this big to be honest. Like when I committed, I didn't know that I was like big. I'm like, okay, they bringing in these guys. Da, da, da. But it's actually every time I go and I see, uh, uh, I see somebody committed, it's like, oh my gosh, we got a new guy. I'm like, ain't that big? I'm like, guys to the port every day. When they go to Colorado, it's like, oh yeah, we're building a super team. And I feel like we could do that and we could win a lot of games. And and I'm aiming for Pat to a championship. So set the bar as high as you can. I gotcha. love it. Oh, I, I honestly, your, your, your answer earlier to me t- telling you about how much we've, we've struggled and how we're starved for any little bit of success. And you just say, nah, man, we hold ourselves to a higher standard here. Oh, oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you made him so happy, Jacquez. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I appreciate that. So our final question for you, Jacquez, what is the message that you have for CU fans? We're not going to settle for mediocrity. So we're going to try to hold ourselves to the highest standard. And I'm going to bring that every day. My teammates are going to bring that every day. We're going to play as hard as we can. We're going to make the program better than what it was yesterday. We coming, baby. Let's go. We coming. Let's go. Let's go. This has been awesome. We love talking to you, Jacquez. This has been awesome. Uh, Wishing you all the best. We're excited to see you out there. Excited to see everyone else out there. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you got some some dogs coming with you too, and and in the fall yeah. you just we just have a completely new team. Yep. Very pumped. But yeah, guys, did you have any any other questions or? Oh, I'm good. Like I'm I, good. I got my I got my <laughs> fill. I, I heard what I needed to hear today, man. <laughs> cool. cool, cool. Thanks so much, man. We appreciate it. All right, no problem. Have a good one. All right, you too. See. You. Man, so that interview with Jacquez was awesome. I know we're all fired up after that. Some great some great quotes from him. But with that, we have Chase joining us. And guys, let's just talk about the chaos that has been the last two weeks. So many transfers in and transfers out. I believe from the entire roster from 2022, I believe there are only 13 remaining players on the roster. And after we started filming with Jacquez, I said, Jacquez, you got to do me a favor and learn that, learn that fight song. Because there's only going to be 13 people to teach you that. So you might need to <laughs> seek it out. So with that, guys, what are your thoughts of all this chaos with the transfer portal? After that interview in particular just now, it is so abundantly clear that we needed a total change in culture. Agreed. Total, 100%. percent in culture. And we did lose some guys that are definitely – Power five quality. I mean, we're, we're seeing Montana getting all sorts of incredible offers from all over the country, SEC, Big Ten, all over the place. We're seeing Jake Wiley getting offers from other Power Five schools. We saw Casey Roddick, who he wasn't a recent attrition, but he left earlier in the offseason. He's going to be a starter at Florida State more than likely. We definitely lost Cole Becker. Come on, Cole Becker. That's a huge loss right? These are some quality players that are going to be valued contributors at other power five schools, if not very good power five schools, but there is no question. And I'm guilty of this as a fan. And I know you guys to some extent are guilty of this as fans too. There is a looming specter of just being a loser that this program has completely grown to accept in its entirety in a visceral, painful way over the last 25 years even, right? 
even starting in the late nineties with uh, Barnett and starting with uh, Rick Neuheisel and, and his recruiting scandals, even back then, I know we had 2001 and that was really, really good season. And so 62, 36 and all that, but this has been decades long of just completely getting beaten into the ground and one generation after another, just growing to accept what CU football had become. That is not what pride and tradition of the Colorado Buffaloes shall not be entrusted to the timid or weak means. That is not what it means. What that means is what we just heard from Jacques where Dude. we no longer have a standard of just being happy to be here. We are now here to actually not just compete. We're not here to compete. We're here to win and nothing less is going to be acceptable. Sorry, Sam. I agree completely. I was so fired up hearing him. You could tell from the get-go the dude was a competitor. And he he doesn't want to just get to a bowl game. He wants to get to a Pac-12 championship, and he truly believes the team's going to be that good to get there. Sorry, Sam. Do you have something to add? No. <laughs> yeah, I think so. To go off of what... Oh man! Do you have something to add? No, I have. I press this little raise hand feature, but I don't know what that does. Oh yeah, like what what Jake said. Um, kind of like what because we all I think in all predictions we predicted probably what like what five six wins maybe I can't remember what we actually what we all said, but it was around there. And Jacquez said he's like five and seven. We don't want to be five and seven. We don't plan on being five and seven. We put we want to win eleven games. We want we see all these games. We want we are going to fight and we think we can win these games and that's the kind of mentality that like stressing has been lacking and taking these transfers from these schools where these coaches have already beat it into them like and he he had those great role models he had pat sertan as a role model at alabama someone who molded him into the person he is today and now he has that opportunity to go in there he already knows the defense and then i think most importantly like he's going to play a huge role in the defense but also bringing that mentality that he has and applying it to young players like Travis Hunter, like Cormani McLean, whoever they bring out, whoever they bring up, that's going to be huge. Like the experience that he has on from there and just like his mentality, his way he looks at life, like that is going to just completely trans- transform this program going forwards. Yeah, and, and to quickly go back to what Strace was mentioning about, you know, the, the, the famous quote, you can't go almost anywhere in that facility. And Prime decided to keep that quote up, right? The the pride and tradition of the Colorado Buffaloes will not be entrusted to the Timid of the Week. And I have an article actually pulled up after the Air Force game last year that said, says that quote and then says, simply stated the Buffaloes did not play up to that standard this week. And I think, you know, it, it's funny because it was almost kind of a meme, right, to leave that up there, that we would have such a like bold and, and commanding quote that was supposed to be like the identity of the program and then put out a team that went one and 11 was an absolute national embarrassment for what is a historically very proud and successful football program. Right? Like, I think mo- almost anyone would agree with that. So to see the the culture change to actually mean what that quote says on the wall. And I really appreciate that prime left it up. I think it's, it's a defining quote for it. I know like us, us old guys are all, you know, fans of it just because it's been there, you know, the whole time, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's hard to see a lot of these guys leave the program with all those roster cuts, but it's, it's just like in a, in a company that's, that's, you know, bleeding something awful, right? You, it's, it's painful and it's not fun, but to change a culture without starting from scratch, you have to make those cuts and it hurts. And I, you know, I think we all wish the best for everyone that was kind of cut. I, I think for me, the one that hurt the, 
hurt the worst um, is the the O lineman who whose dad played for the team that whose name on Travis escaping. Green. Travis, yeah. And so, like, those are hard. Like, those are hard cuts. And I think you know, I've been talking to people out here in Big Ten country who are actually really angry at Colorado and want to see Prime fail because of those cuts. They were kind of on board and wanted to see Colorado succeed, and now because of those cuts, they've kind of turned really? on the program. Yeah, yeah, I have. And they're okay, you know, huh? like. There's that's not the so way it should go. Hate before that, but yeah, it like a lot, a lot of people huh? that were on board and now they're they're anti-prime because you know it's it's not the popular thing to do, but it's what you have to do. And so to get back to that that pride and tradition of the Colorado Buffaloes, it's what had to happen. And I'm excited for the future. That that intro to the team that got posted by by Junior probably the day after, maybe two days after. Uh, prime was officially hired where he goes in and he basically just tells everyone to get in the portal. I think a lot of people did not really take that seriously, right? They probably saw that as maybe a vague threat, like a thinly veiled threat. But in reality, that was a call to action. That was saying, I recognize a need with this fan base, with this school, with this team, with this coaching staff, and with you. And that need is we need to win. We need to win. And in order to win, not just compete, but to win in this conference as a power five school that has gone on 20 years of just atrocious football. There's 69 and 134 since 2006. This is not just bad. This is the second word behind probably Kansas, right? Second worst power five team in the last 16 years. We need to start over. When you, when you look at the context of what this program is, right? For all, for all intents and purposes, still is. Everyone should have taken that seriously. And maybe no one did because in the past, the drastic roster transformation that Prime has undertaken was not possible. And there is some there is some questionable there's some questionable ethics or whatever to all of this. Like, oh, these are amateurs. They're not amateurs anymore, for sure, right? There was always an illusion of amateurism, but now they're not amateurs, right? They're, they are NI, they, they have NIL, which is amazing, in my opinion. It's an amazing thing for the game. I'm really happy for the kids that they finally get to profit off of their own name and likeness. But it's it's not an amateur. It's this is a business. This is a hundred percent business. And Coach Prime clearly meant business, and he's after it. And if these are the types of guys he's bringing in, these people from winning programs from winning cultures who don't accept anything other than winning and success then we're on our way that that is how you that is how you build a good culture you start from the bottom up and prime just said i'm going to clean out all this old furniture and bring in my own people and we're seeing we got to the you know the three of us that had the opportunity to, to just interview jacques we got to see a small glimpse of that yeah and it sucks that I mean these players that we've we've cheered for for the last you know one two three years had to leave CU and we grew to like them so there is that people component to it but I I think you know naturally in the locker room there would be a little bit of various factions right you got the JSU kids the CU kids and the transfers in and so Prime sees that and he's like you know we got a clean house and I think Adam Muster Tiger said this quote and I think it's a great one on the micro level you might not win one for one in the transfer portal. For example, Jalen Sami. We might not get a better defensive tackle than Jalen Sami in, but I think on the macro level, the kids that transferred out, 
are going to be a lot worse than the kids that are transferring in. As we've already seen in the last few days, right? At uh, Silverbuff on Twitter tweeted out uh, today, I believe, of the 13 Colorado players that have transferred, 10 are going to the G5. So, I mean, that's not to talk smack on the players departing. We wish them the best, but it's just reality that these players were accustomed to losing. We needed a shock to the culture. So, you know what? I'm all for it. Whatever Coach Prime needed to do, now he's captain of the ship. You know, it is what it is. I think another criticism I've heard a lot is that, you know, when you're talking about how horrible it is to cut these guys, but I actually think it's an act of mercy. And and the reason for that is that, these guys were never going to play. And I think these guys are players that want to play. And if you're playing at that level, you, you want to be a guy that gets to see the field. And so I guess the more, the more conventional thing to do and what people are asking prime to do is effectively, you know, let them stay on the roster and then never let them see the field ever again. And so I think there's something kind of humane about saying, look, you don't have a future here. You're not going to get playing time. We want to help you try to find, um, you know, a way to get on a team elsewhere. And then, you know, you have this huge, fake outrage about not getting practice film, which no team has ever done. I thought Tyreek Hill's tweet about it was hilarious where he said, you know, Hey chiefs, can I get my practice film? It's just never going to happen, but people are holding Colorado this higher standard because they have no idea what they're talking about. And so, you know, I, th- I think it's humane. I think it's the right thing to do. I don't think it's hard to see these guys leave. And I understand that it's frustrating to have to uproot, but it's not like they're saying you you're losing your scholarship. They can stay at Colorado. They just can't play on the football team. And so if they wanted to stay great, the the university has said that they would honor that commitment as they're required to. But I think it's actually a better thing to do for the players to say, look, there's no future for you here. Why don't you try to go somewhere where you can ball out? And and so, you know, like we've said, I'm cheering for them elsewhere, but at least they're going to get the chance to potentially play elsewhere as well. So with that, let's, let's quickly talk about the guys that transferred out. I just wanted to open up to the group. What were some of the surprises? What were some players that you wanted to stay here? I can start it off. Uh, and a couple of players that I wanted to see stay at CU was Travis Gray. Chase, you mentioned that. I thought he was the next Evan Batty, the next fan favorite. Really wish the best for Travis Gray. He had that interview when he talked about his meeting with Coach Boyle. And Coach Boyle said, I need to cut five. And I really wanted to keep you, but unfortunately you were the fifth. And so I wish Travis Gray the best. Uh, was really looking forward to cheering for him at CU. Uh, another guy that I wish we could keep around is Jake Wiley. I think he's a really talented player. Looks like on on threes projected to go to maybe UCLA or Washington State. So might see him in conference play. I just wanted to open up to you guys. Who are you disappointed in seeing leaving and or who are some big surprises? Well, the, the big surprise for me, I think, was Montana Limonius Craig the day after the spring game. And once that happened, once you see that he's going, um, there weren't any surprises for me. Like if he could go, anybody could go. I know I know there have been reports saying that he chose to go himself and that he wasn't forced out by Coach Prime. So I'm not going to speculate on why he left, but the bottom line is that he's in the transfer portal. So once Montana Limonius Craig leaves, a player that we saw as one of the few bright spots is a player that we thought could be maybe a number three wide receiver on this team, really come in and and play a lot, maybe even be number two. Um, once he left, I was like, it's, it's open season. Anybody could leave, and I would not be surprised. So that, that was the one, the, the domino that really knocked it all over for me. Yeah, I just want to amend. I, I know our last podcast, <clears throat> I think I started out by calling Montana Lamodius Craig like Benedict Arnold or something like that. And I think, 
you know, at the time it was really shocking. Something like that. Something like that. Um, Can we cut to the exact quote right now, please? (laughs) It was Benedict Arnold. It was. We'll just cut to the old (laughs) episode right now. But I I guess my point is that it it, it was hard to see like those reps be used in that game. But I also understand that there's a lot of talent coming at a wide receiver. And and at the end of the day, I think we're going to be net much better off. Um, Jordan Tyson was the one that came to mind for me. That was surprising. I really thought he was electric before he went down with that ACL injury, but I also understand where they're coming from, right? Like Jordan Tyson doesn't know if he's going to come back at hundred percent. And this is not a coaching staff that can afford to be patient with guys um, that are holdovers. So that's another one where it, it kind of surprised me. I wasn't expecting it. Um, I am going to give a quick shout out. Hopefully Montana Lamonius Craig, who is an avid listener of our podcast, obviously um, decides to go to Penn state. Um, if he's going to go anywhere and certainly doesn't stay in the back 12, but um, you know, I, 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 some time has passed now and I, I'm more comfortable with the fact that, you know, these guys just want to find opportunities just like the guys that are coming in. So. I think, I think Jordan Tyson is the biggest loss. I think, He's a baller. I think if he can rebound from this injury well, he's going to the NFL. Uh, but for me, in terms of surprises, one of the biggest surprises for me is Sadu Traore, tight end mm-hmm. who transferred in from Arkansas State. All of us thought he was going to be balling out, going to be one of the top receivers on this team. I was shocked to hear that he, he left. But granted, there was a press conference with Coach Brew, the tight ends coach, and someone asked him about Sadu, and he basically alluded to he wants a three-down tight end, a.k.a. a tight end that can block. And I guess Sadu was in the room, and the coach didn't hold back from, from these quotes and was very critical of Sadu. And I don't know what the relationship was like. I don't want to speculate, but there's just that, that piece to add with him leaving. But it was still a surprise. I think he's going to be a great player wherever he goes. Yeah, I agree. That was definitely a surprise. I, I remember on earlier podcasts, we would sing Sadu Traore's Zico Suave, I should say, his his praises to a great extent. He was one of the most highly sought after transfers and more than likely wherever he ends up, he is going to do very well. The The fact of the matter, though, is it's it's abundantly clear that this particular offense was not the right fit for him. And it, it does call into question why we pushed so hard to recruit him in the first place and maybe why he actually ended up here. So that that's a that's maybe a totally different discussion but yeah, it, it's very disappointing to see that particular loss along with Taylor Upshaw, right? So he he was a he was a kind of a hero for Michigan in the in the playoff and he just you know, he was here for the spring. And and to to be fair, we didn't hear much about these guys during practice. And I think a lot of us were hoping, oh, maybe there's other stuff going on behind the scenes. Maybe there's things that that we don't understand and we don't perceive that will sort themselves out. And to, to the extent to which that's true, it, it looks like it wasn't. It looks like what we saw is what we actually got, right? Louis Passarello, first tight end to get his number, even though he's a returner and he didn't play much at all last year. And But he fits that profile. He looks like a lineman. Right. Him and Eric Olson, they look like linemen. They're huge. And that's what this particular system needs. It's a very, very fast moving offense. You spread the offense with really fast receivers. That's when we brought in guys like Willie Gaines, who are maybe a little undersized, but of blazing speed. Jimmy Horn was maybe a little undersized, but blazing speed. Right. That That's what this offense really needs. And so you need that extra beef, that three down tight end. So it, it does kind of make sense. 
Now, as far as other losses, I think I think I alluded to this earlier, but losing Cole Becker, that, that one is going to keep me up at night. That's going to keep me up at night because there's going to be a time later this year when we're in a close game. And I really hope that either Jace or uh, Alejandro gets it, gets it figured out. I hope we get our blocking figured out and they come in and, and do the best that they possibly can because everyone's going to remember that one. That one really didn't need to happen. And it, from reading some quotes that, that Cole gave in one of the Salt Lake city newspapers, maybe a month or so ago, it, it seems like he felt disrespected and he left because he didn't feel that there was a need to actually bring in that many other kickers to try to replace him after he had frankly to use the only bright spot, frankly, for the last couple of years. So yeah, does that speak to maybe, uh, maybe he's part of the problem, like you're losing mentality, compete for your job, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Maybe it does to a certain extent, but that guy's talented and he went to a rival team. So it's going to be painful to see that if it pans out the way that we're all kind of fearing it will. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually take back my quote of Jordan Tyson being the best player to leave. I'm going to say Casey Roddick is the best player to transfer out. But one other quick surprise, Yusuf Mugarbil, Florida transfer in, also transferred out. That was surprising, just knowing that our O-line needed some help. But it looks like they're getting some more dogs in the portal. But with that, guys, who are you guys most excited about of who's transferring in? Uh, yeah, I'll start off really quickly. I'm excited that we're having the entire Florida State defense transfer in. Um, I think <laughs> uh, I, I say that kind of kind of jokingly, but also kind of not. It you know I think it's now three or four players from Florida State that are coming in in total, and that's exciting for the same reasons that you know having transfers from all over the SEC is exciting for not only because the talent level is so high, um, obviously Florida State being in the ACC, but um, you know soon to be in the SEC probably. But Florida State, you know, I, I think they went, what, 10-2 and two or 10-3 and three last season? 10-3. And, and that's a team where if you want to talk about having a winning culture and a culture that, you know, kind of vibes with Coach Prime, that's a those are great guys not only to bring in because they're so talented, but I'm excited because they're bringing in, you know, a winning attitude. Um, I will say we need to be careful about what we take from Florida State because we need them to be great forever lest they um, come after Coach Prime to bring them home. But, um, you know, pretty exciting to, to see those guys coming in, um, particularly the corners. I, you know, I, I've been a little underwhelmed with the guys coming in after I think we've been kind of hyped up to think that they're, it's going to be like, you know, these huge shocking um, transfers in. I don't know if that's really pattered out. I'm curious what your guys' thoughts on that are, though. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll answer the first question, then I'll come back to Jake's. Um, I think the big, I mean, we can't say, I don't think we can say Jacquez. I think that's too easy of an answer for me after talking to him. So if I can't say him, I'm, I think Jordan Dominic is going to play a huge, huge role in this defense. He was third in the SEC in sacks behind Will Anderson, who was the number three pick of the draft. And um, shoot, who's the guy the Broncos drafted, the linebacker? Drew Sanders. Drew Sanders, behind Drew Sanders, the linebacker the Broncos drafted. He was the third leading, um, third third place in sacks in the SEC. And we haven't had like an elite, elite edge rusher probably since maybe Jimmy Gilbert or Derek McCartney. So it's been a, a while since we had like a real threat every single passing down on the edge. I think that would be a huge thing that the defense has missed. Um, talk, going back to Chase's point about the transfers being less than kind of what we expected, I think it's still early. I think it's still – we're still getting more and more players every day. Now you look at Tar, um, Tar, Tarveris Dawson, the wide receiver from Auburn, 90 overall on, on three. Um 
just today. Like, I think they're just going to keep coming in. We need, we have so many spots we need to fill with the people that left with the people left. Obviously not every transfer is going to pan out, but I think just hearing like getting people from winning programs, I think can start to build on the recruiting base as well. When we start recruiting for next year as well, when they come visit and talk to these players that are now going to be here, building up the Colorado culture and leaving their legacy. So I'm excited. Even if it might not be great this year, even if we are not, completely up to that standard we can lay the foundation for the future speaking of edge rushers one guy i'm most excited for is Derek mcclennan coming in from fsu had three and a half sacks in the 2022 season 17 solo tackles but as chase alluded to he's one of those florida state ballers i think he's going to do big things at CU. yeah that's a good point so as far as being underwhelmed for me personally i think that that initial transfer push when we brought Travis Hunter, Shadur Sanders, Jordan Dominic, when we brought those guys in, that kind of tided me over. I, I hadn't been thinking too much about, about the spring opening of the transfer portal too much until everyone left, right? <laughs> until we lost the whole team. But to, in my in my estimation, this kind of goes hand in hand with what I was saying earlier. We're trying to build, we're trying to build that winning culture. We're trying to build quality depth. And I know that not a single one of the players that's going to come in has the mindset that they're going to be quality depth. I think that the types of players that CU is going after are the types of people that are going to fight for their playing time, that they're going to, they're going to go extra and they're going to do above and beyond, right? They're going to go above and beyond the call of duty in order to try to get on that field and try to make a difference. And to that extent, I don't think that we need a team of five stars. I don't think we we expected that. We're not going to have that this year, certainly. And we we might we might next year or we might the year after that. But as long as that that depth and competition is at a high level, then the the sky's the limit within the Pac-12. So I, I'm really looking forward to that. So I want to comment on Chase's question too of being underwhelmed with the transfer portal. And short answer, no. Like Chase, I feel like ever after after every recruiting class, you're like, I'm a little underwhelmed. And then people will just blast you on Twitter. But if we go through this latest transfer class, just this latest one, not including your Shador Sanders or Travis Hunter, let me just read off some names for you, Chase. O'Marion Cooper, four-star. These are high school ratings, obviously. Or actually, yeah, we'll go off high school ratings, not transfer ratings. Jacquez Robinson, corner, four-star. O'Marion Cooper, corner, four-star. O'Mary McNeil from Tennessee, high three-star. Uh, defensive lineman. Who else do we got here? Chaz Wallace, D-lineman, Old Dominion, high three-star. Like, ultimately, oh, Derek McLennan just spoke about him, borderline four-star. Uh, ultimately, we're not going to get starters, right? I mean, we're not going to get SEC starters to come to CU. These high-rated three-stars and four-stars – way better than CU has ever recruited in the last 15 years. So I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, but I mean, to also say that CU lost a lot of guys in the last couple of weeks. And I think coach prime might've realized it. And we saw he's going to have a uh, walk on and Juco tryouts at the end of May. So I think they're going to, one of the tricky spots is they're going to need to fill depth. And how do you get a guy to come in and, you basically tell them you're going to be a depth piece. How do you get a guy to transfer in for that? For example, quarterback. How are you going to get a quarterback transfer to come play behind Shador? 
that's gonna be a tricky sell. But maybe you get a young guy, and maybe you pitch that you'll 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 be next once your door's gone. You're up next. So that's gonna be an interesting piece. We're gonna have to see what Coach Prime does there. I'm not hard to find, Coach Prime. Yeah, with your 10 second 40. Good luck. Uh, but Ro- he does have four years of eligibility. Yeah. So roam, roam, roam around Williams Village. You'll find me, Coach Prime. <laughs> Cafe Mexicali I, next Saturday. I'll be there. I think to um, kind of to hedge my comment, I think what I'm more getting at is that, you know, the comments from Prime talking about, you know, on the Pat McAfee show, for example, where he was saying, like, when you guys see the list, like, you're going to understand, you know, why we're making all these cuts and stuff like that. So I think that's just what I'm a little little underwhelmed by when you when you get like those kinds of comments on Pat, the yeah. Pat McAfee show like you know, my sense. expectations are the sky and so you know obviously if any of these guys literally any of these guys had transferred to Colorado last year under Carl Durrell it would have been the big news right like literally any of them and the fact that we have so many of them coming in one is part because of necessity but two you know just because we're getting better talent so I'm not I'm not saying that it's it's negative. I'm just after that Pat McAfee comment, I think I was really expecting like some big names to fall and And, you know, not to say that these guys aren't ballers or anything like that. It's just a little, not quite what I was expecting. I do think though, I will say there is one transfer who I want more than anyone else right now. And that's Keon Coleman, because I want to stick it to Mel Tucker, take his prized wide receiver. I know our wide receiver room is beyond full. And uh, honestly, you know, Peyton Thorne could come be our backup quarterback here. Um, if he wants to here, Colorado, he would never do it. Obviously, I'm joking, but um, God, would that be awesome if Keon Coleman could come to Boulder um, and and give me just a little bit more healing from the the whole Mel Tucker stuff? But I want Alton McCaskill too. I think that that'd be a huge pickup. I think any of those the, the Houston, Houston running back, right? Yeah, that guy. Oh my yeah. goodness! Can you give Can you give context for the listener? I, so this guy was out all of last season with the torn ACL, I believe, but in I think 2021 i believe he was the aac incomer of the year yeah and i think he was an all-american too that year just came up just short of just shy of a thousand yards i believe he had 16 touchdowns or something yeah unbelievable talent i and think he was the cu out. team had like 20 or something as a team there. as a <laughs> yeah. team it's right. that would be absolutely massive and i know we got cavassier coming in and I know that we have Dylan Edwards who showed us a lot during that spring game, but wow. So historically with college football, you can have multiple high level running backs in the same offense. Look at, look at the Miami teams from the early two thousands. Oh my goodness. Frank Gore, Willis McGahee, Clinton Portis, Najee Davenport, just literally four or five deep with future NFL players, like immensely talented guys. And and it's it's like that in Alabama too, right? They just have like a rotation of running backs, and one coming after another. It's like a stable, right? There's nothing wrong with that. I would love that at CU, and if it happens as soon as this year, with having too much depth, unbelievable. I will take that all day. So I really hope that he makes the move. That'd be amazing. It's like a it's like a it's like a squat. You want to have good depth. Okay. <laughs> Nice. Sam's really trying to show his weight room prowess to get that yeah. Deion Sanders quarterback yeah. backup offer. I ain't hard to find, Coach Prime. So with that, uh, I think that's all we had. Great episode, got though, guys. I, that was one of my favorites. Uh, but thanks for listening, everyone. If you guys can give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter, we'll post some snippets from this episode. Also, follow us on YouTube. We'll upload this on YouTube.
And if you're not already, follow us on Spotify and on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. With that, we're signing off.